You're listening to 91.1 WNXP. My name is Marquise Munson, and I'm joined by a very special guest in studio to talk about her latest album, Trouble Is, our WNXP record of the week, Alana Royale. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a long time coming. Thank you. You know, I agree, but you know what? Everything in due time. Everything in due time. We're going to talk about manifesting yes. at, at some point in this conversation. But I do want to start by saying thank you because one of my favorite things I did in 2023 was Record of the Week, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising, and talking about their impact through other people's voices. And you gave me a great quote about the production of Prince Paul, and you talked about how that style was a gateway that led you down this crazy trip hop. You were talking about it from a perspective of a music consumer Mm -hmm. but as an artist i wanted to know how did that inspire you and how did that translate into you as an artist getting that inspiration from a production from prince paul yeah well it's interesting because i feel like that record in particular de la and prince paul they showed me you know when i grew up on like you know east coast hip-hop west coast gangster rap there was this very particular type of vibe and aesthetic from hip-hop and then when I stumbled into De La, Far Side, when I stumbled into these like nerds, these nerds, like even like tribe, you know, people who are like, oh, I listen to like Cuddy Jazz records. I read poetry. I'm socially conscious. This like nerdy vibe where they're like, oh, I like all this different type of stuff. It showed me a side of hip hop that I didn't know at a young age existed. And I was like, this speaks to me. These are people who are like absorbing information and putting it all into this like one art form of hip hop that I didn't know existed. And that is really what took me on like a real journey. Absolutely. Now I want to go back to the beginning now. What was that moment for you when you knew that you wanted to be an artist? Like when I was a kid, I used to like sing Usher and stuff, but I knew like I wasn't going to be an artist because I was like, (laughs) this ain't good. This ain't good coming from me. But for you as an artist with an incredible voice, like when did you know that you wanted to become an artist? I think, well, I always say that I'm like addicted to attention. You know, I'm Tinkerbell. If you don't clap for me, I'll die. (laughs) If you don't give me the affirmation and fill my cup up, I can't live. But I think, you know, I always think back to this memory of high school. I mean, I've always loved performing. You know, when I was a kid, I danced, I sang, I did all that. But I was getting tutored by this girl in my high school and I was at her house. Her name is Mary Habib. A shout out. Her family was from Egypt. She was so smart. And after we were done with our tutoring session, I was like, thank you so much. Like anything I could ever do to repay you. I really appreciate you. And she literally pulled out her boom box and she was like, well, you could do one thing for me. And she had the single of all I want for Christmas is you. And the instrumental was on the B side. And she asked me to sing a Mariah Carey song for her to repay my debt for her tutoring me. And I was like, oh, I'm onto something. People want this. And I like doing it. Like, I feel really good when I'm doing what I'm doing. So I just sang to her in her bedroom. It was so, like, looking back, it's like so strange, but it makes perfect sense. But everything happens for a reason because now every year you do a Christmas show. So it's yes. like, now it all worked Destiny. out. Destiny. And, you know, when I, w- I was just talking about this with my brother the other day. Uh, when I was in high school, my chorus teacher, he never picked me for anything. Everyone was always like, Alana, you're the best singer I know. Alana is such an amazing singer. And I never got picked for anything. And I never, it like crushed me as a child. Like it just took my self-esteem down a notch. And every time I would say, Mr. Fleischer, why don't you pick me for anything? And he'd always say, you don't blend. 
And I, as a child, did not understand that all I felt was like rejection. And now I think about it as an adult, I don't blend. I'm not a background singer. I'm not a choir singer. I don't blend. I am meant to be in the middle, in the spotlight with my singular voice doing what I do. And now I've taken that something that crushed me as a child is one of the most empowering things I know of myself as an artist. Now, the last time I saw you in person, it was at Curtis Harding show at Exit In. Oh, Curtis. And it's very fitting because, like, when I listen to him and his music, it has this nostalgic feeling and has this feeling of old school music. We're old souls here. Mm -hmm. We're talking about how we love this old school (laughs) 90s R&B and 70s, you know, (laughs) funk disco. So I wanted to know who was inspiration to you growing up, even now, what sound that inspires you? Hmm. Okay, um, I think, well, okay, as a performer in general, as a performer, when I was a child, this is a true story, okay, 12 years old, think about girls my age, Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, uh, Wallflowers, like think about, you know, Puff Daddy, like think about a 12-year-old girl my age. I had a side, I had a piece of two-sided, double-sided scotch tape that went from one corner of my ceiling to the other across my room. I made my own little banner. And all of one side of the tape was pictures I had cut out of Frank Sinatra. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and laugh. And the other side was Michael Jackson. And my whole room was just covered in Frank Sinatra and Michael Jackson. And it's like, these people were incredible musicians, singers, you know, they could do it, but they were like entertainers. They were performers. They were like captivating people. Even if they were just sitting still in one place, you were hanging on their every word. You wanted to know where they came from and where they were going. And that is really like, my mom was like, my tween daughter is obsessed with a 78-year-old man. Like, what is going on? But I was like, I would watch old videos of the Rat Pack and Frank Sinatra, and he was the most engaging performer. And then, you know, Michael. And that's just, I watched. And then it became Tina Turner. I watched what What's Love Got to Do With It way too young, by myself, <laughs> on TV, in my bedroom, by myself. Should not have been watching that one. And I was like, this woman will set the stage on fire. You can't look away. She's the most intoxicating person. And it really was about these iconic performers, not just like songwriters. I'm glad that that, movie inspired you and you know I was talking to Jalen Aganda and we talked about this you know before we turned the mics on and his inspiration was actually the Temptations movie oh my gosh the two part Temptations yes. movie that was on TV yes nobody coming to see you Otis nobody coming like- to see you Otis <laughs> The scene where he they're playing Papa Was a Rolling Stone in the background and the one temptation who ended up not making it through and ending his own life, that was like, every time I hear that song, I think of like the most pain in the world. And as someone who has the same sort of relationship with her father, it sticks to me. And Tina Turner growing up, to me, I was like this, I didn't know that she had that life. So I was like, she's the most powerful person in the world. I just thought she was a superhero from the time I was like 11, 12 years old up until now, forever. Absolutely, and when we were talking earlier today, I when I listened to this new record, Trouble Is, record of the week this week. Yeah, thank you. Of course, but <laughs> when I listened to this record, we talked about this. It has that feeling of the nostalgic 70s music, but it also goes back to that 90s R&B style because I listened to this record and I told you that I get that 
feeling that I'm listening to like Mary J. Blige, my life, mm. when I listen to this record because it's so vulnerable, it's so deep, mm. but you know, it, it does have that uplifting spirit in it as well. So I, I can tell like you got some inspiration for some Mary J. Blige when I listen to this record. 100%. 100%. There's no part of my musical life that Mary J. has not touched. <laughs> First of all, even now, where she's not even putting out a heavy amount, amount of music, Every day she's just posting pictures of herself in couture, custom designer clothes. Like, look at me. Look at me every day I wake up and I'm Mary J. Blige. And I'm like, that's the life I want. I want to put out a string of hit records. And then I just want to be rich and fine for the rest of my life. She's childless and rich, just living her best auntie life. Chanel head to toe, Dolce Gabbana. I'm like, yes, Mary. She's still influencing me. Yeah, I, I can I can tell by listening to the other side on this record trouble is because when I hear that record I'm like, man, even the voice, like how you're singing that song mm. has such Mary J. Blige esque in that song. Oh, thank you. That's really I'm gonna cry. So hopefully one day you do the Mary J. Blige dance moves on stage too. Oh my gosh, I, I can do it. <laughs> Because Mary J. Blige be two stepping if you've never she seen it. She really before. does. <laughs> oh my god, she's amazing. to the journey of this record you know it, this goes back a couple years mm -hmm. the making the process of this record and it starts with another one of your inspiration and that is Kelly Finnegan mm -hmm. who worked with you on this latest record Trouble Is yeah. how did that relationship start and how helpful was he in the process of making this album well you know I'll say to anyone out there whether you're an artist or not listening I just want you to know that the way that I got in touch with my one of my dream producers a dream collaboration was I just asked <laughs> and I got to tell you there are people out there you think they're more successful than you they're booked and busy and yeah they are but they're still looking for work right everybody is still always looking for work always looking I finished this project was on the next all I did was I saw this artist that I really admired I loved everything they did and I just said hey do you want to work with me and it was an instant yes it was an instant yes because Kelly was looking into producing more artists outside of himself furthering his production you know uh resume yeah he was like I opened for him at a show in St. Louis and in his band Monophonics and then literally it was like yeah and from then on he and I have been working together for so many years so if you're wondering how to level up or how to work with someone just ask you never know man you know what I sent an email one time to like info at live nation dot com and I got three dates opening for trombone shorty I said hey I'm, I'm around in Nashville can I do these shows and they said yeah and I just like wrote a generic email address and I just got a yes back and I did it just ask please my goodness that's my <laughs> that's the, my little tidbit for the day but I was heavily influenced by monophonics and Kelly's production and um you know I feel like looking back I was like man I'm so dope like how come I'm not leveling up and the reality was I had a lot more work to do as a songwriter my brain I was trying to write songs that weren't really like making a lot of sense lyrically because my brain it's very indicative of like my brain was very scattered and I was going through a lot of like really traumatic stuff but I didn't know it and then I went to therapy and I spent years in therapy kind of like pulling it all apart and all of a sudden things in my brain started making more sense and the songwriting made sense and then I was able to partner with Kelly 
be direct about what I wanted to do, be direct about the stories I wanted to tell. And he was like, I got you. I'm going to help lead the way now. And that was just like a partnership that's been successful ever since. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did therapy help with that songwriting evolvement? Because when you listen to your first record, Achilles and So Bad You Can Taste It, what is the difference in the songwriting that you hear from those two records and then when you listen to this record, Trouble Is? I think it's like, those first two records are someone like banging on the door like let me out let me out let me out and no one can get them out they're kind of like stuck because it was really like I was stuck inside myself there was no one else who could get me out except for me and then going to therapy and doing the work and really like seeing things for what they were then when I sat down to write these next songs everything like made more sense like the other songs I feel like are me trying to get something out but I can't quite get all the way it's like even the ones that are like 90% it's like not really there and also, like, I was afraid to make introspective music because I thought I was just, like, a party band. Because I was, at, there was a point where I was just getting, like, party band gigs. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, we just want to, like, dance and horns and have fun and drink. And then once I realized I was doing a lot of these, like, party band gigs, I was like, oh, I, I don't want to be a party band. Like, I'm not, like, a for hire, like, gig band. I'm an artist. Like, I want to tell stories. And then I was like, okay, now I have to do this whether people like it or not. And I was like, I don't think people really want to hear this side of me. And I did it anyways. And it has been like remarkable. The, the, the relationship I've had to fans has changed so much. I've said some things that people don't say out loud. I've felt things like publicly that people don't really put out on the public. And people wanted it more than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, because when I listen to the first song, Trouble Is, there's it, a lot of self-doubt on this song. Yeah. And when you start to explore the theme of the album, Trouble Is, this idea of something good happens and then there's like trouble that is right around the corner Always. that's just waiting to grab you. So how did you ex start that theme of this album is going to be about this, about this joyous feel good moments but then the trouble that is on the other side of it i think that it was just like examining my own life and like making peace with that like nothing is going to be perfect every time there are plenty of people who are artists who are more successful than me have more money than me and they're still miserable about other stuff their their family their own career whatever and i was just like man this is just the way it is this is just the way life is Everybody is doubting themselves. Everyone has this like imposter syndrome vibe. Everyone has terrible family members who make them feel bad. Everyone has financial troubles. Everyone's unlucky in love. I was like, this is just like universal stuff. And when I was like, oh, nobody wants to hear this. And then I sang about these universal problems that just dog you over and over again. And everyone was like, me too, me too. It was like crazy. People connected more with this music than anything I've ever put out because it was like, I'm telling everyone's story. It's not just mine. And so when I started writing Trouble Is, and it was like, I hate myself. Like, my ain't enough is all I got. Like, I'm just like not good enough, I guess. Once I started saying these things out loud that I like think, all the songs started coming out. And I was like, oops, here we go. We're about to say some really honest things. And I didn't know how people were going to react, but I stayed honest. And I think that's what made the record like what it is. Yeah, 
another song that's kind of similar on that vein is Imagination. And, and it's kind of like, it's very deep. Like, how mm. difficult was it to write a song like that? That song was the song where I was like, oh, no, I've gone too far. Nobody wants to hear this. That song was the hardest one for me to write. Actually, it was the hardest one for me to, like, sing and, like, say I'm going to put it on a record because that song is really the, that song is the fallout of my experiences after going to EMDR therapy, which is like a trauma recovery therapy. That trauma therapy, it split my brain open and it took me to places like emotionally and mentally that I didn't even know I was capable of. I feel like I had lost control of my own brain. I was in a fog. I was like suffering from derealization. I feel like I couldn't like be in a room. I had no idea like what was going on. I couldn't stop crying for like weeks and weeks and weeks. It was like, it went deep into my childhood and other things I had experienced. And then I was trying to find a way to like explain to people what I was going through. And there was just like no words. Like I had never heard of a word that could explain how I felt, you know, intrusive thoughts, all this like really dark stuff. And I'm like, I want to talk about this. This is a huge part of my life. I'm going through something extraordinary. And then after I went through all that and then wrote that song, over the course of a year, I lost like almost 100 pounds. <laughs> my body literally changed so much. My brain changed so much. And I was like, this is a huge deal. I got to put it in a song. And when I got done singing it in the studio, I actually went to a room by myself and I took a picture of my own face. And I still have that picture. And I don't look well, but I look relieved. Like, it looks like I just finished fighting something terribly, but I won. I'm battered and bruised from it, but like, I won. I did it. And that song is really special to me. Come on, come on, come on. Let's drive away. Get away from the thing that I felt. Was it something I Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how were you able to cope with all these troubles and these caveats throughout this journey? Because even when making this record, you traveled, you left Nashville to go to California to record this record and even still face those problems in the last, what, three years making this record? It was the first year of COVID I did that. Yeah. So, like, how are you able to just you know, cope during this. Take journey. it on the chin, man. I, I, I feel like I am a survive. I'm a survivalist. Like I'm not a real nature survivalist. I'm just like a life survivalist. I just feel like sometimes I'm like, I look to my left. Oh, that don't look good. I look to my right. That don't look good either. I'm like, well, I guess forward is the only way. Like I'm, I can't turn around. I've come too far to turn around, but uh, none of these options look good. Let's just go forward. Let's just move forward. And over the last couple of years, I've just been like, we're moving forward. And it's not like I'm forgetting about all the other things. It's not like I'm kind of like shrugging things off. It's just like everything I do has to be a step forward, even if it's like an inch. And I think that's something I accepted was like some steps are just an inch. And it feels like you're going nowhere. It feels like what is this even worth? It's not even for anything. But that inch still will get you closer to where you want to go. And I've kind of accepted that. And I think that making this record was like inch, inch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired of inches. But then it's like, then it was like a mile, you know? Then it was like the first week the record was out, we went into repress right, right away. And I just found out the repress order that's coming in, half of that repress order was just picked up for full UK European distribution. Now we're looking at Asian distribution. And now I'm like, okay, cool. But I still have like an inch to go, but 
it's all in stride. Uh, now, now, as I mentioned, you traveled during the pandemic. You left Nashville. Yes. You went to California. Yes. Did you, you rented out an Airbnb. Yes. And you just worked for the entire pandemic. So, I did. you know, what was that process like? Walk me through the process of, you know, going through the making of this record. Because, yes, it was once again the troubles that you had to face during COVID. Yep. You had family issues going around at that same time as mm-hmm. well. So it's like all these different things and trying to make record that you did that you just released this year so tell me about that process of making this record well the first like after the first couple months of lockdown kelly my producer was like like none of us are doing anything you know like as far as work goes i was like hiking every day cooking at home i was actually feeling like mentally and physically healthier than i had in like years and years and years but kelly was like hey if you can get out here like we can make this record and i was like whoa how would i even do that so it's like okay pack the car up and it was very uh, good timing. A friend of mine, their younger sibling had just moved to Nashville and had nowhere to go, not a lot of resources. And they were like, you know, I'm trying to help my sibling find a place. And I was like, you know what? They can stay here. So I like let this kid stay at my house by themselves. I didn't really know them at all. They were like, I just want to go to work and like make some money. So I was able to like take this awful experience, give someone else something beautiful out of that, kick, help them kickstart their adult life. Drove across this crazy country during the first year of the pandemic, got to see firsthand how every city, every state, every community treated this thing completely differently. I've had a very unique perspective on COVID because I experienced it across the country and back. Um, Some spots were like pretty dark, um, driving through like native reservation territory in the Southwest where literally like exits were like chained off. Like you can't even legally come here because reservations were like so heavily impacted by COVID. And all of that is just, like, making my brain... Like, I'm soaking all this up. I have, like, death in the family. My mom got cancer the first year of COVID. And I'm just, like, soaking it up and soaking it up. And I get to the studio, and it's like, what are we going to do? Oh, we're going we're gonna to write a really honest record right now. I'm not feeling so good. Like, all the years leading up to this, I haven't been feeling good. And this year is just a cherry on top. Everything feels really bad. We were coming out of the tornado into lockdown And even when I left California, when we were finished tracking, I drove all the way back and I got back to Nashville. And the next day was the bombing on Christmas Day. And I was like, when will I find peace? My God. (laughs) It's like, there is no peace. There's just a way you live. You just have to live through it. You have to cope with it. You have to strengthen yourself. And that's really at the end of this record is like, it's not something you can control the, the trouble. You can't control the trouble. You have to find something within yourself that can like strengthen yourself and your resolve so you can like navigate through it. Yeah. It's ultimately at the end positive because I came out of this the mo- the strongest, most resilient and like most peaceful and balanced form of myself I've ever been. Yes. And, and I will say there's very joyous records on here. Like the first sample we got from the record was Fall in Love Again, mm-hmm. which beautiful song. Thank you. What was the inspiration behind that song? And that's the first song that you put out. Yeah. For this record. Yeah. That song, okay, so that song sounds very sweet and very lovely, but really that song was inspired by a real life couple I knew that was had come to the end. And before you well, the step before the end. When you're in a relationship, there's the end, which is finite, it's done, it's over. But there's a couple of steps before that, there's like the reality has set in. Like we are coming to the end. Are we going to fix this? Are we gonna fight for it? Is there something here worth holding on to? Or do we both feel like it's time to go? And sometimes one person is like, I can fight. I can hold on to this. And the other person's like, I'm ready to go. 
And that is soul shattering. When two people are on the same page, okay, it's not working. Let's split up. Okay, that's that's sad. That's bad. But when you look at someone that you love, that you've been with, that you shared something with, and you're like, I feel like there's something here worth fighting for. And this other person says, I don't. It's like, whew, there's something so dark and so sad about that. And so fall in love again is like, don't you want to fall in love again? It's like someone saying like, this is how far away we've gotten from each other. Like, don't you want to come back to me? Because I want you to come back to me. Like, don't be so far away. And this other person being like, I'm gone. And that's that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it sounds beautiful. It makes me, That song makes people feel good, even though it's really about a couple I know who's like, we're done. It's over. But it makes people feel good, <laughs> which is trickery. I love it. Now, speaking of making people feel good, another song on the album, Run Around. Yes. Which got the roller skating vibes on it. Yes. I'm a little disappointed because I didn't get invited to the music video. <laughs> I can't skate anyway, so I guess it doesn't Oh, you would have been hugging the wall, dude. Yeah, I would have been hugging the wall in your music video. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. But how did um, that song, Run Around, come together? Um, so that song is based on a real-life experience, too, uh, of about a time that I was hanging out with this dude when I was much younger. And this dude was like giving me all the signs that he was in, that he was down. And I was really down, but nothing was happening. But I was like, it's right there. And my roommate at the time, who I'd lived with for a long time, she was like one of my best friends, told me, she's like, this dude is not into you. He's not sending you this. You're seeing something that's not really there. And we would hang out every day, talk on the phone every day. And I was like, I am so into this person. And my roommate was like, it's not like that. You're cruising for a bruising. Like you're going to get your heart broken because this person just wants to be friends and you're kind of seeing this thing that's not really there. And I remember feeling so confused. How can this be possible that I feel so deeply for this person and someone else is telling me like it's not really happening. And so run around is really about going for it. Like everyone is telling you no. Everyone is telling you something and you're like, I got a feeling, I got a feeling. And then you're like, I'm going, I'm going to do it anyways. And you know what? Even if it ends up in heartbreak and even if it's terrible at the end, at least I went for it. Because all the good times, even when you're going to feel bad in life no matter what, so you might as well go have the good times. When you have them right there, go experience them because the bad times are going to come. But you got to embrace the good times when they're there. And that's why in the bridge I say, like, I got to feel and I really do because I run around with you because I was just hanging with this dude every day. We were going everywhere, doing everything, and it felt good, and I wanted to lean into that. skating rink kind of takes me back to high school now. and the airbrush <laughs> yes, outfit and the airbrush outfit yes. like, it, was, it was amazing and, thank you and now the story behind it it's like yeah it's double meaning because it's like there's a lot of people who went through that in high school where they're just like yes oh man this girl's not into me maybe if i go to a roller skating rink and hug the wall just, <laughs> well, show, just, up. Just yes. show up yes and, and when you're young you don't know 
your feelings, you can't really categorize them. You don't really know yet. You're, you don't have the emotional intelligence to have these co- deep conversations. So you just got to go with your gut. And young people, that's why they're so destructive because they don't know. They don't know the feelings, bad, good. And we just kind of move through them the best we can when we're young. Now, this record closes with waiting, waiting, waiting. And it, it's just to see the evolution throughout the album, like you start, like we talked about with Trouble Is, the opening track, the self-doubt. But then you get to waiting, 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 and it's just like that light that's at the end of the tunnel, at the dark tunnel. Yeah. And I wanted to know what the inspiration was behind that record. Yeah, that that record, when I listen to it, it really feels like you're levitating a little bit because the record is like tamping you down. And then you get to the end. And uh, so that song is uh, for Sully, uh, who is my nephew. He's my only nephew. And I found out when I was in the studio making this record that my brother was going to have a baby. He was uh, he was pregnant. He was uh, pregnant with his first baby. And I couldn't believe that I felt something positive and something good. I had just been feeling bad, you know, like shut down, lockdown, being scared of covid hospitalizations. My mom having cancer. My I lost two cousins and an uncle the first year of covid right away. And it was like everything was so hard and so dark and then one day I just get this call and it was like like oh man there's like goodness like wow I hadn't felt like this like relief you know like your heart feels heavy for so long and then all of a sudden you just feel this relief because like somebody new is coming into the world and I thought about how much I loved this thing even though I never met it before and like that's a pretty like you can't really explain that you know, you're going to have a baby and you love this baby. This baby is your whole life now. And, you know, you haven't met your future partner, but you know that you have like love to give. Like as soon as this person comes into your life, like I'm ready to like give all this love. And I just don't even know what the word for that feeling is. Um, but you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for that love that's coming. And uh, I dedicated it to my nephew and it, I was supposed to drive home from California and the night before I was supposed to leave, I was supposed to be packed up and ready to go. I was in the studio. It was the last thing I was tracking. We just got it in in the nick of time. And uh, it's I close my shows now with it. And I've never done a song like that to close the show. Usually we've been closing on like, you know, the big, big, big part. And that song, we take it like, and it's like, there's something that happens in the room when you just sing that tiny little note last. It's really beautiful. When I let all my dreams run wild, you're here with me. I know you don't belong to me. Still, I love you And with all this, so much went to making this record, so many obstacles you had to overcome. Looking back on it today, though, three years later after making this record, knowing that it was very difficult to make some of these songs like Trouble Is and Imagination, how does it feel now that the record's out, people are feeling it, people are gravitating towards it, listening to your story, and you you knew this album was going to see the light of day one day yeah. and now it is seeing the light of day and people are listening to it so how do these records feel to you now when you listen back to them you know I don't want to like 
turn myself into a savior or paint myself as some sort of like Oprah figure. But I'll say this record has done something to people that I've experienced that is kind of remarkable. Uh, This guy at one of my shows, he stuck around to the very end. The opening band was loaded out and gone. It was like just us and the manager and the venue at the end of the night. He stuck around to the very end and he had his phone in his hand and he was like, Hey, Alana, um, can I ask you, like, what's the name of that therapy that you said you were going to? And I said it was EMDR therapy. And he was, like, typing down in his notes app what I was telling him. And I was like, uh, you know, it's some people call it trauma therapy, whatever. And he was like, you know, because I got some stuff that I need to deal with. You know, we all got our stuff from our childhood or whatever. And he was like, but I'm a dad now. I got my own kid, and I don't want to, like, pass this on to my kid like this darkness and this heaviness I want to like solve it so I can be like a good dad and I think about like someone like my biological father who if he had had someone helping him at a young age sort through the trauma that he had experienced it wouldn't have been passed on and every single person that I can like openly speak about like hey man it's okay you don't have to carry this shame forever you don't have to carry the pain We can say it out loud. We can put a name to it. And I had a woman who saw me on tour in the fall come to my holiday show here in Nashville. She booked a flight to fly come come to the show. And when I saw her after the show, she just hugged me and she said, I started going to this therapy. I started going to EMDR therapy. And she said, I'm going to be happy. I'm choosing to be happy. And I remember the day that I was like, I'm going to choose to be happy. And that is something that has changed me forever. So if this record opens up that door for people, when I start talking on stage, singing these songs, and people are like, oh, man, I do feel that. I didn't even know there was a thing. I didn't know there was more people like me who felt that. To me, that's like, I don't even care about record sales at that point. I don't care about streams at that point. It's like people's lives are changing for the better, and people are healing and it's like something that I, it's a gift for me, selfishly. It's something I get back that's like astounding, remarkable. Well, it is a remarkable album. I thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about it. Thank you. It is fantastic. You you are an auntie now, so now you can do the Mary J. Blige auntie dance yes. because you are an auntie. So you can do it. <laughs> She's actually doing it as, as we speak. But also, I want to say, speaking of dancing, you also all top of the amazing voice that you can hear live when Alana Royale performs, you also DJ. So I do. When's the next DJ thing? Like, when, <laughs> when can we can we check you out, DJing? Yes. Um, so I DJ uh, whenever I'm not on the road. Uh, I've been working at L.A. Jackson on the rooftop for many years, uh, Golden Pony, Pearl Diver. Um, I recently DJed uh, at a fundraiser to help get more women elected to the Tennessee House. I feel like a lot of my musical talents have been going towards social justice issues, which I'm always fine with. I'm always good with. Um, you know, Gloria was there and it was really dope to see her again. And basically, anytime someone calls me and they're like, can you do something to help bring awareness to this? I'm going to do it. But I love DJing. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I Like the art of DJing is Fantastic! Shout out Case Bloom, my you know one of my favorite DJs in Nashville, Afro Sheen, and uh, when I'm not, if I can't be on stage singing, DJing really like does it for me. It really scratches an itch. What's your favorite uh, records to spin? Um, okay, Whew, that's a good one. I will say um, 
Actually, I'm going to shout out one of my favorite DJs in the country, King Most in San Francisco. He has a incredible uh, collection of redirects and original beats he makes. And every once in a while, he'll just text me a Dropbox folder. He just blesses me with countless. And I'm like, and I follow him on Bandcamp and I'm I'm a leech because I see what he's buying and I'll go listen to everything he's buying. And it just blows my mind. He's got such incredible taste. So I'm basically going to follow King Most wherever he goes, whatever he does, I'm going to do that. But I'll say one of my faves, let's see, what have I been playing recently? Um, he has a flip of As by Stevie Wonder. I'll play it for you when we get out of here. And it's it's a, like a re-drum. It's got like different drums on it. It's so dope. And I love playing that track. All right. Well, I'm going to listen to that track. And I'm going to say thank you, Lana Roya, <laughs> for, for joining me. Trouble is currently out right now. Our WNXP record of the week. Thank you so much for coming. Oh. One more thing. Tonight you might get lucky, lucky. What is uh, Lady Ray, Sylvia, yeah. Sylvia? Tonight you might get lucky, lucky. That track coming out tonight, coming out tonight. I'm gonna play that for you. <laughs> That's a track I probably played 150 times in my gigs over the last couple of years. We'll we'll play. It. I'll give it to you when we get out of here. Thank you a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> Getting some exclusive music and talking about this incredible record. Thank yes. you so much, Alana. Thank Royale. you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Mm-hmm.